All right. Hello and welcome to Veteran Trash Talk Female Warrior Edition. I am your host, Leah, and I'm so excited to have Laura with us today. Before we get started, I need to give a shout out to our sponsor, Neuroflow. Make sure you go check them out at neuroflow.com. And Laura, I know, so we chatted the other day. Yes. And there's so much that we need to talk about, like so, so much. much <laughs> because you have dealt especially dealing with military trauma i know generally we we kind of keep it to sexual trauma but that's not all there is and i feel like you have a story for everything do i check so the boxes all, <laughs> yeah i know you were telling me and i was like oh my gosh yeah. so first of all thank you so much for coming and, and being on the show thank you for and having me we're agreeing to coming more because we've decided we can't keep you in this one episode with everything that you have to say and we want to share your stories. So before you get started, I just want to tell you that the floor is going to be yours. You know, you can introduce what? other things today if you'd like, or we can kind what? of keep what we talked about with, with your personal military sexual trauma. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about today, but Again, you know, I know that you have your nonprofits you're starting, you've got a book you're writing, you have things with your late husband that we want to share. So again, the floor is yours. And okay. thank you again for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I love starting my um, introduction back into, I guess, social representation and advocacy. Um, on your show. And um, I know I've been on uh, the stone vet with Juan, which was great. Um, but I love seeing a woman only uh, veteran podcast because we have a lot of opinions and um, a lot of viewpoints that don't get to be shared. Absolutely. So a little bit about me, I guess, like I said, I do check all the boxes, sadly. Um, I am a daughter of a uh, communist refugee from Eastern Europe. Um, and I'm also Latina from my father's side. I'm an only child and I was a senior during 9-11. Uh, I joined and worked very hard to get into intelligence where It was very dynamic in eventually being able to work for DIA, NSA, INJIC um, over in Iraq. And I was deputy chief of human intel from uh, March 2006 to January 2007. Uh, saw a lot of stuff and then quickly got forwarded on to Korea, which is our favorite place. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, don't we love it? Um, Korea seems to be a breeding ground for a lot of the stories. Um, as I became a military sexual trauma advocate, uh, I was brutally uh, drugged and raped in Korea, um, which is a topic we've decided to start on today. So I think I'll just start there. Um, in 2007, right after having two TBIs and undiagnosed, in Iraq, I was sent to Korea for a training exercise since I was 
the oldest senior airman with ground deployment experience. So they're like, you know, take the younger airmen, so on and so forth. And I was literally like actually transitioning uh, over federally while I was still deployed in Iraq. And your adrenaline and your morale is unlike most the Air Force usually has. Not many of us get put on the front line. So my my go, go, go was still there. And so I get sent to Korea to an exercise and my trust level is over the top, you know. Um, so you didn't have any issues whatsoever in Iraq as far as like your unit, you know, having your back or so I was an I I was an individual asset I wasn't necessarily attached to another unit I didn't have people I was deployed with there I was directly assigned to um a department at in the green zone in the embassy but we were attached to spit teams um high value target team army teams um, and other abcs basically and uh, we helped disseminate their evidence and do uh, human collection but the camaraderie we had for each other there was life or death and that got very blurry with individuals who had never experienced that and took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So where I put blind faith in one of my airmen and accepted a drink that had something in it, in Korea. In Korea. Korea. Mm-hmm. And immediately ended up in the bathroom vomiting. Um, I won't get into the whole story because it is very triggering. But later on, he did come to my room after I got safely to my room mm-hmm. um, where a fight ensued and assault ensued where he beat the back of my head into the entertainment center in the military room. That was not even five hours, not even three, three hours maybe after the assault happened. Um, The hotel was actually renting out to another couple and the couple had gotten the keys and came back down to the lobby and was like, there's blood in the room. And the bet, like all this, because there was, and they're like something, you know, something happened. They're like, oh, they're like, yeah, that's the room that there was just a uh, assault in. Like, this is the kind of, yeah, yeah. And so as somebody who worked 
in evidence collection, my mind was blown. Mm -hmm. But I apologize. Um, so the people long story short, sorry. Oh yeah, the thought there in that room, like no biggie. Yeah, no, it was like not a big deal. Oh, look, we didn't have a maid go in there yet. And my NCIC who was there was like, you can't clean the room. And there, finally the manager came who at the Air Force Hotel was a sergeant. Was like, oh yeah, we'll have somebody clean it right away. And I'm sitting here like, okay. Like just walk away. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness though, now we have a new Secretary of Defense, um, Lloyd Austin, who before even his first um, press briefing had to deal with a social media nightmare when it comes to MST, I would say. Um, Delena, the US Marine who made quite a ripple in the community because you have a lot of survivors out here who really need to know the story. We need to know because she got so much attention and so much protection, which rightfully should. Uh, that's what the Ruth Moore Act, um, back in 2013 was established for so that she can have protection during any type of MST, which does cover harassment and assault. But there's rumors going around and it's, you know, it's a secured investigation of whether it's something that has to deal with the 2018 um, Revenge Porn Act, whether this is a issue about strictly photos or is this about a hands-on assault there's a and the reason why the victim community is very upset right now is because this got the attention of the secretary of defense mm -hmm. okay should it sure and it's great that it's keeping our issues relevant but the problem is, is that without a standard of, how am I gonna put this happen? Without a standard of right and wrong. <laughs> it's not necessarily a standard of right and wrong, but it's like, There's degrees, mm -hmm. there's degrees to everything. Um, and sadly, all of military sexual trauma to include harassment, verbal, to assault, to murder, are all given the same ability for the commander to set either slap on the wrist to death. Like literally, those are your his parameters. Right. 
And again, going back to the old ways of ruling people, I get what King George the Third's framework of how commanders are supposed to be their high, the hierarchy and Luke's are in lords and in dukes. Um, taking their power away from them is not something that the, the joint chiefs want to do still to this day. Um, but it's something that congressmen and senators are have been pushing since 2007. Um, there is talk about removing the investigation and the sentencing to CID which is okay, but the concern is the level of crossover. Right. So. Well, and, you know, I worked with CID in the military and they're very young. They don't have like, you know, with, since I was counter intel, you had to have been in for a while and apply to be in there uh, so that you have a certain level of maturity and leadership already under your belt before you can be an agent. And CID doesn't have that. You can come in straight off the street. Right, you got a year or two and you're there to make it mm -hmm. a good environment for everyone, especially your commander, and whether that be your direct commander, or your base commander. Exactly. And these are all things that sadly, the civilian community doesn't understand. But if we put it in perspective of if you were raped at a corporate Christmas party, is Bill Gates going to openly say, yes, this happened and point the finger? No, probably not, because it looks bad on him. Right. So it doesn't make sense. Yes, we sign a dotted line and we become the property. But then if we're standing on that rule of thumb, let's go back to the fact that this poor Marine started a OnlyFans account, is that going to come back and bite her in the ass? Right. Very possibly. Um, for many reasons. I know as a victim myself, I would never put myself out there. It took me years and years to just even put makeup back on. Um, and it's the same thing for most victims we don't want to be seen as wanted we don't want to be desired by anybody we feel guilt or shame putting a dress on and making ourselves feel sexy because we think it's something that we'll, if we elude a man's eyes that it's our fault and that adds more anxiety and pressure onto us so then you go back to the 1995 or 19, uh, 2000 and 
18, I believe. Sorry. Um, when you had a young female lieutenant was prosecuted out of the service for um, posing inappropriately for a male magazine. Right. Where's the difference? Mm -hmm. um, of course, if she had a security clearance, she can always be paid and persuaded and has to submit for a second job and so on and so forth. These are all questions that people are gonna be asking. Um, how many of us know survivors who immediately after an assault or harassment, which mind you, she did say she was physically raped years ago. So I do see her sensitivity to the harassment claims and so on and so forth. But then again, where was her wherewithal of not presenting herself in a sexual manner to be taken advantage of. I think um, we definitely need to see something in Congress limiting our active duty from allowing themselves to be, become prey in that way. I mean, if it's not out there, it can't be used against them for any reason. But you know that that brings up a lot of arguments, a lot of arguments, right? Because women feel like my body, my choice, I can dress how I want. And I will say that it's <laughs> very heated, like, because I personally believe that, you know, your body should never be touched or um, groped or, you know, raped anything you know, I mean, without your strict permission. And even if you have done it before consensually, you can say no. Like, I very strongly believe that. Marital rape is absolutely a thing. I also believe that in talking about women in the military, especially because it's, you know, things are, are different in the world now, but women in the military, especially when you start putting things out like that, you know, you're taking away that professionalism that we strive so hard to be seen as like we are professionals, we're warriors. And, um, you know, I feel like it could, it could be different for civilians, like who want to have an OnlyFans account or want to pose for magazines. But, you know, I think, you know, you're not by doing that sort of thing. It's not like you're asking to be raped by any means but you're seeking attention and it's not the right attention. And I think there's a lot of gray area there for a lot of women are like, well, I should be able to do that and still be respected. And that's just goes against how our DNA is, you know, that's my thoughts. Like, what it's the same. I mean, it's the same idea is, I mean, this is a completely different vote. You wanted a half an hour, I could go on forever on this. Um, but women being deployed individually in male units. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that back in 2006 and 2007. Um, it wasn't until, until like 2009 until they started getting, okay, women only units. Um, but 
I mean, there was bar barely establishments for different bathrooms for us to shower in. I mean, we had to flip a sign. There were so many, so few of us. So, um, I think now there is a positive light on female in the military's plight or fine. They're finally being noticed from like what 1952 was the first ever military sexual anything. Mm -hmm. um, has it taken a while? Yes. But I think they're still trying to level out the scales. You know how everything happens. It's they don't, they're not gonna try and fix everything right away. They're gonna go overboard. And they're gonna have to lean it back a little bit. <laughs> but what do you think are the things that hinder our progress there? Like, um, taking the chain of command out of prosecution. I mean, end all be all. It should go to literally a completely separate entity. Heck, allow the federal agents outside of the government, uh, outside of the military, excuse me, um, be our, it, it bothers me so much that if a rape takes place off base, mm -hmm. my body is civilian. I have a judge, a jury, police officers, lawyers, I'm not a witness to my assault. I would have been a, excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> not defendant, but um, I'd be able to prosecute. I could have some representation. Representation, thank you. Whereas on base or on a boat or on a deployment, your body is theirs. Mm -hmm. You're a witness now. You have no rights when it comes to knowing what's going on with your case or where it even ends up going because you're only privy to the one section of, your, of the trial, which is your witness statement. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get an entire system to start caring again and stop looking at the numbers and start looking at the people and what it's doing to us. Because whether you like it or not, we're here to stay. But this isn't just a woman's issue. This is a male issue as well. I mean, look at everything that's going on at Fort Hood. It's really sad when we've been in a war so long that we have forgotten our own people. Well, and just like Derry had said before, you know, Fort Hood is like notorious for rape. 
Yeah. So it's Korea, but we've discussed that. Yeah, we discussed that in Korea too. Like I would get, you didn't get the same briefings because you were TDY, but. But it's it's on average what you got to be there like 13 months. They're like, the average is like 13 months. They said in 13 months, you will be raped. Between three and six months, because usually you do one year there. It's, I mean, it's, they just, and of course I was there, I was in Korea 2007, 2008. Um, so hopefully things have changed, but it was just like, hey, this is the norm. Just prepare, you're going to be raped while you're here. And you're like, I'm so, what? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. And then if somebody says that, like I spoke up and said, excuse me, why is that an issue? Oh, it's, it's just the alcohol. I don't, I don't think so. But every, yeah. That soju. Oh no, it's the stuff that you put in the soju that kind of, you can get everywhere behind the bar, like the bartender sells it. (laughs) Yeah, that stuff. (laughs) Apparently is easily accessible there. Very much so. But because yeah, that happened to me. I think I was date raped at least twice there, which the first time, I mean, not date raped, but had the, had the drug put in my drink twice. The first time I was with somebody I trusted, thank God. Okay. Um, he, was, he was drugged as well. And it got, oh, no. <laughs> he was like, cause we were like, why do we feel so bad? And yeah, it hits pretty hard, pretty quick. Yeah. It's insane. Okay. So, but I want to ask you this. And I'm just, I'm going to throw it on myself and then see what your opinion is about this. Um, You know, like for me personally, my career, it was like started in AIT, my first AIT, because I went to three, of being like harassed and and berated and talked down to and having superiors talk to me in a sexual manner, which I was like, um, and it just continued like everywhere I went, it was some sort of, oh, hey, uh, so you give me a boner or, you know, I didn't, I told you I didn't get promoted for, I was an E4 for four years and E5 for five years because I checked all the boxes. I did all the steps and then I would say, okay, like what else do I need to do to go to the board? And they would say, oh, you know what you need to do. And so I didn't. And, but I feel like you know, all that over time, especially having been removed from it for so long now, I've been out almost eight years. You know, I knew at the time that I had developed a second personality to really, like I was still me, but I was just a different version of me in uniform just to get through it, to get through my day. Because I honestly could not see a different future for myself. I mean, I was a college dropout. I was already divorced once. I had like a crazy amount of debt. And I was like, this is my life. So I just have to deal with it. And I didn't see a different future for a long time. And so I developed this like really angry. I mean, I was so angry and bitter, but at the same time, I fell into the trap of talking like one of the boys, you know, like talking dirty, making silly, you know, bad jokes, um, berating myself and, you know, having that personality which felt like right felt felt like it was me and I was like but really I was miserable and it was just who I'd created to just get through it because I knew I was going to be talked to that way but looking back on that you know I see that was a huge mistake even though 
you know, it, it just kind of naturally occurred. It's not like I made the decision to talk dirty or talk like one of the boys or whatever, but looking back on it, it was a big mistake because I never said, Hey, listen, don't talk to me that way. Like, I don't want to hear that. Cause I didn't want to be like that, you know, that girl. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Love, trying to be one of them. And I, and you give it back at Carter sometimes so that they'll stop. Right. But really what that does is bring more to you, right. It attracts more to you. And, and especially now that I've been out and I've studied like how to improve my life and be more positive and, and have good things happen you know, you always get back what you give out. And I know now that I, you know, like, I'm not like blaming myself, but I know that I helped cause a lot of that to come back on me um, as far as the talking and stuff, which I was just always like, why? Like, why can't I get away from this? So, you know, do you like, do you agree that that's something that I probably helped make worse? Not that it, that I caused it, but helped make worse. Um, I think I stop that for our, for our females to be like, Hey, no, like, I know it's, it's not cool to not agree or not talk like that. But if I feel like if we continue to fall into that trap, it's, it's not going to make things easier for us to, it's definitely not, but I think it's almost a survival skill that we have that it's kind of like. like a wolf putting on sheep, mm-hmm. sheep's wool to blend in. Right. It's more or less, you don't want to be the one they're verbally attack- attacking or want to be desiring or talking bad about. So you get on their side in the boys club. Mm-hmm. All three of my husbands were mechanics. I know what you're talking about. And literally, as you were saying that, I was going through my head. I was like, wow, I did that too. To a certain extent, I did. But I always shut down when it became negative towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely something I think in its entirety has to stop. But fundamentally, where does it go back to? You know, um, you put a group of people together who are trained to, sorry, break stuff and kill people and do it at the best level as they possibly can. And then you take away, start taking away physical and psychological and physiological things such as sex, such as um, proper nutrition, exercise. Um, sorry, I, no, I, you're fine. but like, I love that you said that because everybody always sees the military as like these super human almost. And it's like, we're so unhealthy because seriously, do you know why we burn out at 40 is because we burn our like entire ability, like our lifespan, we crunch it down to about a 10 years period. We're like superhumans. After that 10 year period, 
I'm more broken than a 70 year old some days. And then I'm they- sitting here like, ow. <laughs> Like, oh sorry were you broken now so goodbye exactly exactly to interrupt but that just made me giggle because I was like <laughs> you know people were like oh you guys oh are- yeah no we're good for about 10 years and it's because we push ourselves past our limits way past our limits physically and mentally and the problem is how do you adjust yourself back right. and being in the longest war mm-hmm that people continuously forget that we're still at war. You know, I have a friend who worked with my late husband and my current husband now. Um, He's on his 17th deployment. And how many years? 18 years? Yeah. Yeah. Got two kids. He's barely seen them. And I'm just like, that's another thing that I hope in the next couple of years, working more with congressional aides and their con- their constituents left and right is to hope, hopefully tag on a, a bill somewhere to reduce the ability for individuals to bl- deploy more than four times. Honestly, I'd love to do it in the namesake of my late husband. Um, He was six desert deployments, but 10 on top of that for austere missions. Mm -hmm. And I believe after four, adjusting back to a civilian life becomes impossible, if not almost inpatient and sadly that's what it took for me twice because of everything that has happened and I know a lot of people are are scared to say yeah you know I I went physically got help but there were days where you know after I got back I couldn't get out of bed for three months you can three months you know and that was after I was injured uh, and raped when my husband died, who was my high school sweetheart, um, I don't remember much of the year, to be completely honest. But through not avoiding it, through working through it and getting different types of help, you know, it's not just one type, which is the biggest part of our new nonprofit that we're going to be starting is helping connect veterans with resources that are already out there to find and figure out what helps them specifically you know um because they're out there which a lot of people just don't know where to look where to find them they get frustrated um they don't qualify so we're trying to take out the the guessing work so once we do go live which we're not up yet we're still waiting for paperwork. Thank you, COVID. But yes. Do you have a name for your nonprofit yet? Or will we'll- it is Command and Control Foundation? Yes. Awesome. I I love that, Laura, because 
I feel like, you know, I mean, you go through like when you get out and everybody calls it differently, like in the army, it's called a cap. I don't know what it is in the air force, but actually I was denied that right to a cap, which is, I mean, it's kind of pointless anyway, because they just throw all this information at you and you have no idea what they're saying to you. Yeah. Your brain is so not into that last briefing. And so much of it goes in the garbage as you walk out. I mean, you're in for so many years and they're like, oh, by the way, like make sure blah, 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 blah. And I, I almost really felt like they kind of trick you to like sign stuff to take more of your money and not sign stuff that would give you more money. Um, but just going back to the help that I, I mean, I really think that every veteran can benefit from having some sort of help, whether it is mental health or guidance or whatever from another veteran it doesn't have to be from a therapist and nobody like nobody learns how to take care of their finances you know I mean there are so many different things it's a rabbit hole I could go down but even for me like having been in for 13 years you know I mean you just you really do get this brainwash of like well if you ask for help there's something wrong with you well Listen, there's something wrong with all of us because first we, we joined the military and we stayed in it for however many years. But, you know, understanding that it's okay to say, like, I need to better myself. Like, I need to work on this and move forward because otherwise, like, that's why we have such a huge homeless veteran population. I mean, we, we either don't know the resources or we're too proud to find them. Or like you said, like they're so confusing and they don't know how to match them up. So I'm, I, yeah, you know, our, the female veteran community is the fastest growing homeless population. Yes, it is. And And it's devastating. I'm working with a lot of different types of communities. I think it's a combination of, a good old boy society it's a mental block and if we can produce the ability for women to get back on their feet I think we should um it's c2 eventually will be a physical retreat it will be a physical place people can go to and reach out to each other and communicate with each other what types of services, nonprofits, equine therapy, music therapy. Um, There's programs out there for female veterans to get them back on their feet and give them a full head to toe makeover with clothes. You know, I mean, just to give them the confidence to go back into society. And that's huge. Um, There are MST retreats in every state. You know, you have to find them. It's just getting there and knowing so yeah well, I love that do you have a timeline at all of when you're going to be going live with it we would love to have our first event veterans day um we have something really big planned I uh, don't want to say too too much but hopefully by the next time I come back I will have some better news <laughs> but it's very interesting we are MST now is the scourge of the military per President Biden. Thank you. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I feel like sometimes when you bring too much attention to something, they may go overboard again, but um, we have 
Congressman Spear and Gildebrand that's been pushing every day since he, uh, since uh, Austin has been in the cabinet. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's really good. I love that. I mean, I, I do love we're getting recognized more. I yes. will say because I just had a conversation and I have a call later today with a gal who, you know, she has been denied benefits and they're like saying that, um, you know, basically overlooking her MST and hopefully that will come next, you know, because there are... <sighs> That's another thing, like there are a lot of VA benefits that people either don't know or don't go for because they feel like, well, I, I'm fine when you're really not fine because if you've had, you know, X amount of injuries or, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, PTSD or MST, anything, like I personally feel like it's something you should look into, but the VA, I know because they lost my records and you know, they aren't really taking that seriously as far as being able to compensate and take care of people full term uh, in the long run with that. So hopefully that's something else that come, can come from this attention. Um, Absolutely. It's, you know, MST is, it's, you know, ties in with PTSD. It's something that generally like you know, I want this platform to be able to share with, with women and the men that deal with it as well, that you can move forward in life and, you know, still do amazing things and turn your mess into your message. But it doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be like cured or healed. Like it's always there. It's always going to be part of your past. And there are ways that you can work through it so that you, you know, you're not completely broken, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be scars. And so I think that's an important thing to recognize as well as making sure that we fight for the right for people to have that compensation and Absolutely. Of like if, you know, not just the compensation, but the mental health that comes along with that. And I do believe the ability to access different treatments. Um, a lot of them are not covered right now or they're overfilled. Um, you know, COVID has done so much for so much. Like it's put a lot of the platforms online, which has made some people more comfortable, other people less comfortable. Right. Um, so then again, it goes back to what works for you. Um, when we talk again, I'll definitely provide um, sites and resources or if you want, we could do VA ratings and MST ratings. Yeah, and we can, I can probably put that in the comments on uh, like underneath the show as well, if you want to send those to me so that people Absolutely. Can but the important thing to me is making sure that you recognize, you know, you might be broken, but that doesn't mean that you can't move forward and, and still have an incredible life, but you have to decide to, to work on you. But mm -hmm. Laura, what other message would you have to share with our listeners today about that? Honestly, everybody right now because of COVID is going through is compacting everyone's depression and anxiety um, tenfold. Mm -hmm. 
and I know what it is to lose somebody close to me tragically. I know what it is to be injured overseas. I know what it is to be raped overseas. Um, these are all things that I have fought to get through. And I wake up every single day and I, I look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, are you happy? Because if you just have this day, are you happy? Make it the best you can. Because at the end of the day, that's really all we have is to be happy. So make something, remember yourself, remember your own mental health and go out there and find what it is that makes you happy. Find the resources, find other people that enjoy things like you. And even if it's not physical, you can still do it through the internet. Um, you can uh, find adaptable ways to make yourself smile every day. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> So powerful. And that's where I started too. I mean, I was so angry and bitter and just, I was a miserable person when I got out of the military and I had to make that decision. Like, am I going to live like this for the rest of my life? Or am I going to figure this out? And it's, it's a long road. It really is. But, and everybody's recovery looks different. Not everything works. So you try something, it might not work. And then you try something else, like don't give up just because that one thing didn't work. So um, I really appreciate you, Laura. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing more of your story and what you're doing in future episodes. I'm so excited that you came here with me today. So thank you so much. And really great to be on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So for our listeners, if anybody does want to connect with me one-on-one, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, not knowing what I'm doing over there. Just look for Leah B-E Day, L-E-A-H-B-E-D-A-Y. I'm happy to chat with you or connect with you and help in any way that I can. And once again, just want to give another shout out to our sponsor, Neuroflow at neuroflow.com, which is really doing amazing things for behavioral health within the ranks. They're working one-on-one with Air Force, actually. And we want to get them uh, more hand-in-hand with the other branches of the military to help our service members with their mental health. So thank you to Neuroflow. And Laura, thank you so much. Again, looking forward to having you. Uh, and future episodes. There's so much to talk about. There's so much more. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon.